It has been a little bit since we had a ministry-focused night, and uh, during the summer our schedule can be a little, a little different uh, just with all of the activities going on between Vacation Bible School and Family Bible Club and those sorts of things. But as we head back into the fall and we get ready for um, Awana to start back up, which is a big ministry opportunity for us as a church, I wanted to to revisit a ministry focus night uh, so that in a few minutes we'll have some time to pray together about the opening of Awana the next few weeks. But also, I really enjoy um, these opportunities to kind of share, I guess, a little practical, the little practical things about our church or doctrinal things about our church. Uh, if you'll remember, we took at the, at the beginning of the year, um, I took about four of these and talked about uh, why we study the Bible and then how we study the Bible. And so tonight, I'd like to take the opportunity and speak to this end, uh, to the counseling ministry of the church. And admittedly, uh, the we talk about the counseling ministry of a church, um, and we'll talk specifically about our church tonight, um, but, then, but also just give some general principles about that. Um, this is going to be an interesting one because um, all, of, all of discipleship, in a way, is, has to do with counseling, right? Because discipleship is growth in the Lord. Um, but, you know, counseling has be, kind of become that word that a lot of us refer to about this intensive, sometimes focused method by which we deal with things that, that's come up in our lives. And so there are those who, who talk about counseling at their church. They never use the word counseling. They use the word discipleship. Um, and so there's a, this vague, nebulous mind or line in the minds of, of pastors. Where is counseling and where is discipleship? And it's different for every pastor. Um, but in general, um, you'll, you'll have people who will come into your church uh, at some point and they'll ask for counseling, whether it be marriage counseling or um, if someone's getting married, premarital counseling or uh, personal counseling with an issue that they're struggling with. And so, you know, we don't shy away from those terms. And so I just want to share with you kind of where we come from on this, but understand at the outset that the primary, you know, goal of the church is to make disciples. And this is a lot of times part of that. Uh, discipleship-making process. Um, and in case you haven't noticed, we live in a broken world. Um, we're surrounded by sin every day. And that sin feeds heartbreak and broken relationships and destructive habits and all manner of, of personal struggles. And sometimes, perhaps more than we care to admit, that brokenness hits home, even in the lives of Christians. And the brokenness of sin and the issues that grow out of it have caused a rise in our country in general in counseling and, and psychiatry treatment, psychi- psychiatric treatment, psychiatry over the years. Professional counseling has risen at an incredibly fast clip. I, I listen to podcasts and different things, and one of the things that, that I hear a lot about is, is these um, counselors you can talk to. You don't even have to go anywhere. You just get on your computer and you... You talk to somebody. That professional counseling has risen as, as people seek to escape, they seek to help, or they seek relief from, from the personal struggles that plague them. And, and the church is not immune to this struggle and the resulting man-made solutions that come out of it. There are things that we deal with in our lives that seem to have a stranglehold on us. You know, in times of struggle, where do we turn? 
And honestly, the answer for a lot of people is, well, I go to my counselor, I go to my therapist, right? And I, I find help there. And, and, and while outside counseling, if, if it is a Christian-based thing, can be a help, okay? And please don't misunderstand me. There, there are outside organizations that, that have a Christian basis that can really be a help to, to those who need counseling and this sort of help. I don't, and I don't degrade that. There is a place where a believer should be able to find help and should be able to find answers from the Word of God to things that they're struggling with. You see, God established His church for the purpose of making disciples. And discipleship, if we're going to make disciples, it involves a couple of things. One, it involves evangelization. You can't make a disciple of someone whom you've never led to the Lord. That's the first step. And then it involves training that person in the things of God. I mean, think about what a disciple is. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is someone who is learning to mirror the, the image of Christ. That's the goal of discipleship. And, and that's another topic for another day, probably in one of these. But sometimes discipleship gets messy. Sometimes the struggles are very difficult, and the Christians in a local assembly need personal help. And a church and a pastor can be this type of help to you as you seek to grow in the Lord and trust in all things. And, and so it just, this is the, the purpose statement behind this tonight. Because the primary purpose, the primary purpose of the church is the edification of believers, your local church should serve as a vital center for your personal growth in the Lord. And you say, well, that's a very broad statement. It doesn't even talk about counseling. Exactly. It's, it's not aimed at counseling situations necessarily. In general, it's talking about the church should be a vital center for your personal growth in the Lord. If God has given you the opportunity to be a part of a Bible-believing, preaching church that's seeking to do things the way God has called us to do them, then that place should be a vital part of your Christian walk. That's where you should go to, to, to get fed, to, to connect with other believers, to be involved in the work of the ministry. We see that all throughout the New Testament. So very specifically tonight, I want to talk about this idea of counseling, of, of seeking personal help for something that you may be going through. And I'm going to make a case, why do you seek counseling in a church? And then talk about some practical considerations of that. So first, why, why would you seek counseling at church? Why would you seek such personal help at church? One, I believe, is, is because in anything that we face, there needs to be a prominent role of the Scriptures in our lives. Why does the need, why does the need for counseling arise within our lives? Well, if you could say it in one word, that word would be sin. Why is it that we need help in our lives? Because we're sinners. Sin entered the world at the fall of man, and since then, we each have been born with this issue of sin that plagues our lives. We are born broken people. We are born separated from God, and it is only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we can even enjoy a relationship with God. So the scriptures tell us how to find life in Jesus they bring us to a true knowledge of ourselves, of our sin, and our God. And through his word, God has given us the knowledge, uh, too, of, of not just how to have a relationship with him, but how to live for him as well. I want you to consider this verse tonight, first of all, in 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, 
where Peter writes, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue. And where do we find the knowledge of God? We find it written in the word of God. As a church, we are committed to the preaching and teaching of the scriptures. Hopefully you don't have to come here very long to figure that out. But that is the primary thing that we do. We preach and teach the word of God. And so this is our commitment in all venues, so not just in, in the public eye. We're, we're not committed to preaching and teaching the word of God just when you come on Sunday morning or just when you come on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or, or Wednesday night, but, but in all of our venues. It begins, of course, in our public worship. And we've talked about our philosophy of worship services in one of these sessions before, but, but it spreads out into our smaller classes. I mean, this, this morning we were talking about um, the, the, the little Sunday school class that meets up near my office on Sunday mornings. I said, that, that has to be, Mrs. Sims' class has to be the most fun Sunday school in all of the church because it's just Mrs. Sims and about four of our, of our girls who meet in that Sunday school class. And, you know, they're, they're having all kinds of fun and they're probably having tea parties and whatever these, you know, things that they want to do. But, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, Mrs. Sims, you know, she's not here, but she probably wouldn't mind me saying this, uh, she teaches and, and teaches them the word of God. She gives them the word of God. There is no less standard in that class as there is in, in a Sunday service. The word of God has to be taught, and it's primary. Now, it may look different, you know. Um, you notice I'm not in there giving a five-point outline to those little girls on Sunday morning, okay? That's a good thing, all right? But the word of God is what's primary. God's word is our guide for all of faith and practice. And God's word also colors our personal one-on-one interactions as well. And so, if we're going to deal with a matter biblically, we need to seek a biblical solution. So should you find yourself in a situation where you feel like you need more personal, specific help, it is vital that that place where you seek that help address things in a biblical manner. Now, this is not a denial that sometimes there are physical conditions that manifest themselves in, in, in intangible struggles. You know, sometimes um, you run into people that, that, that just, they don't see themselves and, you, and they begin to, honestly, in those instances, I, mean, I just knew of one in the last few weeks that someone was really struggling um, mentally with some things uh, going on in their life and, and come to find out that they had an infection that was, that was causing them to, to have other, you know, these, they weren't really sure. And I was just talking to, again, somebody else who, who was on some medication for one thing and started taking medication for another and, and their health began to decline rapidly. So we understand that sometimes there are these physical causes for some of the things that, we're, that we feel like we're struggling with. But we must also be careful. In our culture, there is a danger of labeling sin with these harmless titles so that we do not feel bad about ourselves and thus we seek a less convicting solution. Well, if I could just go and get labeled as such and such and then I can do this and that or take this and take that, then I'll feel better about myself. And the thing is, we have to face our sin with the word of God and deal with it the way God says and see, after salvation, Christians will still battle with sin on this side of eternity. And, and that's one of the things, as you, as you have the opportunity to disciple other people and, and bring them along in the things of God, 
you're going to you know, start to have to help them with the battles of sin that they face in their life. Because they may have things like, well, I thought when I got saved, you know, I thought when I came to know the Lord, I wouldn't sin anymore. Well, we wish that. We all wish that, right? And they may have doubts about that. Or they may not want to deal with those things. But the well-worn paths of sin are what your flesh will naturally gravitate towards. Even good things that God has given fall prey to sin's attacks. The calling of a Christian is to live, though, not for self in the flesh, but to live in the things of God. Paul wrote in Galatians 5.13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In Galatians, Paul talks about how true freedom comes only through Jesus Christ, a freedom to to leave our sin and our flesh behind and to serve God, and in his grace find eternal life. And Paul uses a very interesting word here. That word opportunity, right in the middle of Galatians 5.13, literally it's a military term. It means base of operations. Do not use the liberty that you have in Christ as a base of operations to do wrong. But instead, live in the love of God. Live in the things of God. The Christian walk is one then that requires constant submission to God. It is a moment-by-moment decision to walk in the spirit of God, living under his control and obeying his word. The word of God is vital in this fight against sin. Here's a verse you probably have memorized throughout some point of your life. Psalm 119.11. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We need to commit the truth of God's word to our hearts and minds and lives that we may fight against the lies of Satan. But have you ever found the fight against sin isn't always easy? You ever struggled? Well, if you admit to that, I'm going to tell you something. You have good company. And his name is Paul, and he is an apostle. Romans chapter 7, verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Do you resonate with that? I resonate with that. The good things I know God wants me to do, I struggle to do them. The things that I know I'm not supposed to do, I want to do them. It's a daily, hourly, and just really an imminent struggle against sin. We cannot fight sin without God's help. And from time to time, there are those sins in our lives which seem to be overwhelming. There are things in our hearts and our lives that God convicts us of, and we know they're wrong. But we just can't seem to, to, to shake it. We just... We just feel like it's got a stranglehold on our hearts and lives. And this is where the first part you need to understand... In every circumstance and in every situation, there is hope. 1 Corinthians 10.13, Paul writes, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that you are able, but but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you struggle with. There is hope in the gospel. There is hope in God. But even knowing this truth, we may feel like we can find no victory. And so in those moments, what do we do? Well, we may look to lean on the help of another to help us in our walk. 
You know, it's a very biblical thing. Paul would write in Galatians 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But again, I would argue that this is biblical. It is a biblical thing, but it is only as biblical as the counsel we receive. We must not seek counseling that will tell us what we want to hear, but is focused on what God says. Oh, you struggle with fill in the fill in the blank. It's okay, everybody does that. It's not a big deal. Oh, that feels good, right? It feels good. But we need to face the truth, right? In love. Well, that's a sin, but God tells us how to deal with it. God shows us how to have victory. We must not seek counseling that will be focused on us or others expressing our feelings, but that which pushes us back to scripture to consider and to implement it into our lives. And I would just, again, ask the question, what better place to start that process but in your local church? And secondly, as part of that, is this. Why seek counseling at church? Well, one, the prominent role of the scriptures within a church, or should be. And secondly, the benefit of a pastoral relationship. There's a strong advantage to involving your local church pastor in a process such as this because God has set forth in his word the leadership structure of the church. And I'm going to speak about pastors. I feel like I need to say this, okay? So um, I'm going to speak about pastors in the third person, but no, I is one, okay? So I'm expressing my heart in these things. But I tried to make it a general, some general statements. The, the pastor of your local Bible preaching church has been tasked with shepherding that local flock. But do you understand that the pastor of a church answers to God for the direction that that he has over your life in these things. If I get up here in a church and preach things that aren't biblical, I answer to God for what I've said, not just before him, but before, before you. And so your pastor is very burdened for you. When you join a a local body of believers, you're not only obeying the Lord, but you're also opening yourself up to the benefits of church membership. And one of these is the full investment of your pastor in your life. Spiritual leadership has a responsibility to you, just as you have a responsibility to spiritual leadership. And, And the writer of Hebrews talks about that when he says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And I just, I I was reading about this this week, and one of the biggest differences between seeking out a counselor for help and seeking out a pastor has been described as this. So I'm going to read a a little bit of a longer quote, uh, but but I think this this helps encapsulate the idea here. The, The author said this, counselors counsel, pastors pastor. Counselors help you and send you on your way, but pastors are charged with helping you and staying committed to you for the long haul. Counselors are typically open to you, returning to their office if the problem resurfaces, but pastors are constantly in your life. So if the problem comes back, they will already be walking alongside you. The counselor will help, care, and love, but the pastor will help, care, love, and will exercise authority over you through the ministry of the word. Now, this is not to say that Christian counselors do not do important kingdom work. But the relationship between a pastor and his people is a very different relationship than a counselor and a counseling. 
the anonymity of the counselor's office, I understand it has its appeals. If you show up at a counselor's office and you pay your money to somebody that, that you talk to them and, and, and seek help, there's, there's this thing about whether they're going to lock your file away when you leave and nobody's going to know about it and they're not going to call you and they're not going to see you in, at church and these sorts of things. I get it. There's an, there's an appealing thing about the anonymity of it all. And it honestly, on the surface, seems a whole lot easier. But there is so much more spiritual benefit and accountability found in a local church pastor because your pastor shares your burdens as you are one under his leadership in the church. He prays for you. He hurts for you. He, he hurts with you. He spends himself for you. And, and, and listen, okay, I didn't come here tonight so you could hear a glamorization of pastors, okay? I'm just giving you the peek into the mind of one and, because pastors are people too. Pastors have struggles like anybody else. And sin, just like everybody else. But it is the joy and the privilege of a pastor to help his people with whatever God is doing in their hearts. As I would just say from a pastor to to, to others who may listen, please do not think that an admission of a struggle with sin makes you anything less in the eyes of your pastor. Your pastor is there to help you in your spiritual life. And walk. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So you may need someone to pray with about something in your life. You may need serious help about something that's going on in your life. But either way, I can assure you, your pastor wants to know those things. Not because he's looking for the next church gossip, because he wants to help people grow in the Lord. The spiritual avenue, that spiritual avenue is open to God's people, and God's people are part of that process as well. And, and so the last thing I have here, why would you seek counseling in a church? I would argue because of the edification of what the church is. The church body as a whole is called to build up and edify, that's the word build up, one another. Galatians 6.1, Paul wrote, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. The, the ministry of counseling others isn't limited to a pastoral role. Notice what Paul said. Paul didn't say if, if anyone's overtaken a fault, you who are a pastor, no, what did he say? You who are, it's on the screen, spiritual. <coughs> this talks about one who is walking with the Lord, one who, who, who has a relationship with him. The proper attitude, though, of helping others is observed here as well. Paul says that the key key to this is meekness, or you could say, as it's translated here, gentleness. Because we are all prone to sin and its ugliness in our lives. Just because you have the chance to help another person does not make you better than that person in the eyes of God. In fact, we must take great care... That we give God's truth with God's love and God's care in their lives. The goal is spiritual growth and maturity. And we can help our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to this end as we walk with God and we get involved in others' lives. And see, here's the thing. You might be surprised who else that God has placed in your life in a local church who had the same struggle and who has seen God do amazing things in their lives. And often, 
often your pastor knows those people, and if it's appropriate, can connect you with people like that within, within your own congregation. Pastors are charged with the church's edification, and so are the individual members of the body. And that is an incredible benefit of a local church. This is not, again, to say that outside help is always wrong. There are parachurch organizations with good biblical focuses that can, be the help, that can be of help in cases as needed. But I would tell you this, even in those situations, if you have to seek outside help, you know who wants to know? Your pastor wants to know because he wants to pray with you and help you in any way that he can as you go through those things. And Beaverton Baptist Church is a place where we offer the truth of God's word and the application of that word so that lives can be changed to the glory of God. And this is an intensely practical topic. So I made the argument why I think that, that if you're seeking specific, what we may call counseling or, or help on an issue, that, that a local church, your local church is a great place to start for that and where you should be looking for that. But I want to then give you some practical considerations about that. Just, just think very practically with me now about how this process works. The first one is this idea of, of seeking that help. So a pastor is charged with caring for those in their flock, right? But pastors are not charged with reading minds, thankfully, because pastors are men, and you know how that is, ladies, right? Okay? If you need help, you got to seek help. Don't settle to live a life of defeat. Don't continue to do the same old things and expect it to change. You know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, okay? And I'm not here to say that if you struggle with sin, you're insane, okay? What I'm here to say is, We've all been in that position where we think, well, it'll be different next time. And we don't change any of our behavior. We just, well, it'll be different next time. And maybe for the next two times that you struggle with that temptation, it is different. But on the third time, you didn't change anything. You didn't find any, you you didn't change your behavior. You didn't find any accountability. You didn't find any help. And so we shouldn't be surprised when things don't change. Pastors can encourage and reach out but it's also incumbent on individuals that they also need to seek help. You know, here in, in our services, I, I say almost the exact same thing. I mean, I try to change up a little bit so it doesn't become rote and routine, but I say almost the exact same thing every week at the end of our services. Hey, if you need something, I'm here. I want to talk to you. That's not a tack on at the end of the service, okay? I don't say that so we can push it to 12 o'clock and keep everybody here a little longer, okay? I, that's a truly an invitation, If you need help, don't continue to to put it off because the door is always open. The word of God is always available to us. And I'll just tell you, often the first step is the hardest step. Satan's lies will be whispered heavily in your heart and mind. He will want you to believe that if you admit to a certain struggle that you will never be used by God again. He wants you to believe that no one else has ever battled that sin before. He wants you to believe it's not a big deal. He continues to blast into your life the falsehood that no one cares and that your relationships will be ruined and that there is no grace from God. And he wins every time you go back into that sin and keep yourself from being completely right with God. The guilt and despair you feel 
can be combated if you would be honest with yourself and with God, though. Now, that's not to say there are not consequences for our our actions and our sin. But the consequences of sin are also accompanied with a sense of relief that you no longer are trying to hide something from God and others, which you can't hide anything from God anyway. Instead, they can be dealt with and you can begin a road of growth and change. And this comes through the source of all life. So, so the first consideration is that of seeking help and secondly is that of Scripture's primary place. <clears throat> In the counseling and discipleship that we offer at Beaverton Baptist Church, you will find Scripture to be at its heart. Let me put it this way. Scripture not man, changes people. I can't change anybody, okay? No person can change another person. I've been married for 11 years. Ask her, okay, if I change easily, right? Um, God's the one who changes us. And so the word of God has to be at the heart of that. Second Timothy 316, you may be familiar with this verse, it says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I just put it at the bottom here, I underlined a few words here and I wanted to point these out to you. It tells us what is right, that is doctrine teaches us about God. What is wrong, that's reproof. How to make that right, that's correction. And how to keep it right, that's an instruction in righteousness. And so therefore, biblical solutions must be sought and enacted in our lives. Practical things may be put in place, but they are done so in line with scriptural principles in mind. Books and outside resources may be employed, but not without a strong biblical background or companion biblical focus. And often, a basic review of the gospel is the first place that we start. I mean, I'll just tell you, when I face a situation with people who are, they have something going on in their minds and their hearts and their lives and they're seeking counseling, I often take them, you're familiar with the exchange Bible study, I often take them back there. Even You say, well, I've been saved for, you know what, it's a great place to start. It's a great place to start. Because a lot of times there's questions about, even about salvation and those sorts of things that get settled in our hearts. And that's to refocus our minds on who God is and what he's done for us. And therefore, since God and his word are the focus, we, we actually have specific requirements and agreements anyone seeking counseling must adhere to. And so I'm just going to give you tonight, um, this, is, this exists in a document in our, uh, at our church here. But I just want to share with you very practically where we come from on this. We, we actually have a, a, a document that talks about the counseling considerations of Beaverton Baptist Church. For any who may be involved here, but those who may come from outside of our church who seek help. And we, give, we have a purpose statement for that. The purpose is this. That God tells us in his word that his desire for us is Christ-likeness. It comes from Romans chapter 8. That is our goal in counseling as well. As we behold our Lord and the word of God and we have our minds renewed, we learn to put off the old man, put on the new. Obedience to the word of God is of primary importance if the process of spiritual growth and change is to occur. So from the very outset, it's communicated this. If you want to grow and change, you want to see victory, it has to start with God's word. We have to obey him. 
And so then, as, as you go on, we, we say this, so um, for your counseling to be most effective, it is essential that the following items be adhered to. Failure to do so may result in postponing or termination of the counseling sessions. Again, I, I know it's formal. It isn't exciting to read this stuff in church, right? But we have, to, we have to be straightforward about these things. So I have six of these here. We'll talk about them as we go. The first one, I think, is one of the most important. Um, counseling appointments should be scheduled and conducted. Usually I counsel people weekly if I meet with them. Number one, counselees are expected... Oh, hold on. I lost something in my notes. So it's on the screen. Homework. I apologize. I didn't write something down. So we talk about um, meeting on time, and we talk about giving out homework. Okay, now let me give you, let me give you these. Uh, oh, you know what? I am going through these, aren't I? Okay. But um, All right. Faithful attendance, the services of Beaverton Baptist Church, um, is expected of those who, who is required during the counseling period. The word of God, not man, changes us. The total ministry of Beaverton Baptist supplements the effectiveness of counseling sessions. So this is the first point I wanted to make. The primary thing for anyone seeking counseling in a church is they, they have to come to church. Because it goes back to what, is, what changes us, a man or the word of God? And so, I mean, honestly, I tell people, hey, I want to meet with you four times a week. Four times? Yeah. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then our counseling appointment. And why do we do that? Because we want to boost the attendance of Beaverton Baptist Church? No, because everything we do here has to do with spiritual growth. And if, if you truly are seeking to grow in the Lord, then you need to be in a place where you're going to hear the word of God. Um, and so that does more for a counseling session or a counseling um, um, attendance than anything else is being a part of the church. Now, I'll just tell you, counseling and evangelism are two different things for me. If I'm witnessing to someone, maybe they, maybe they even they come in saying, I'm struggling with this, and I'm going to share the gospel with them knowing they're not saved, I don't lay out this, you got to come to church all the time, right? I start with the gospel. Because again, I don't expect an unsaved person to, to come to church on a regular basis, because church is, is for those who know the Lord, those who grow in him. But if, as a Christian is seeking to grow in the things of the Lord, they need to be in, in the church hearing the word of God. And that's, we talk about, I usually schedule things weekly. This is where I got off track earlier and realized that they're in my notes. Number three, counselors are expected to be, you've you got to be prompt. You have to be here every week. You know, when you have an appointment, you show up. Uh, because what happens is sometimes you get in and, and things get hard, right? And then it's time to, to bail out. But you have to commit ahead of time to come and be a part of these things. I do give homework. Yeah, how many of you love homework, right? We give homework based on the scriptures. It must be carefully and prayerfully completed, completed prior to the next session. If it's not, um, we postpone the counseling sessions. Because, again, uh, we're not here to to just talk about our thoughts and our feelings and these sort of things. We're here to talk about what God's word says about what we're, we're working through. Uh, if the counseling is, is marital counseling, uh, I recommend and always ask, not in a certain way, I ask, hey, as a husband and wife, you need to sit down and talk about these things because it's, it's something we're working on together. And lastly, if 
Um, if it can't be kept, this is just a practical thing. Hey, make contact, right? Let us know. And, and again, I, I tell you these very practical things because we do have a system set up here at our church. We do have a way that we offer help for people. And, and it's available to, to those who seek it. It's on our website. Uh, it's available to, to you as, as part of our church. But because the primary purpose of church is the edification of believers, your local church should serve as a vital center for your personal growth in the Lord. Understand this, that the ministry of the church goes beyond the Sunday services. Being a part of a body of believers means building relationships and digging into lives. And at times, this digging in requires us to be in in uncomfortable positions as we open ourselves up to one another. But just as surgery can be uncomfortable and invasive, so too can things of spiritual nature be uncomfortable and feel invasive. I get that. But it's, it's necessary in our lives. The main thing to remember when we struggle with sin is that there is hope. That hope is Jesus and his word. Beaverton Baptist Church is not a perfect church because there are no perfect churches. I'm not a perfect pastor, but I know the great shepherd who desires to minister to you through his word and show you hope in himself. So should you find yourself in a struggle over sin or other things, perhaps it's sin that's hounded you for some time, maybe it's relationship issues within family or friends, or maybe it's just a personal issue that you'd like to meet and discuss and pray, seeking God's wisdom from his word, I just want you to know that there is help offered here from the word of God. As I have been prone to say, the church is not a museum, it's a hospital. And the pastor of a church isn't a beacon of light shining brightly while others hope to obtain such spirituality. The pastor is no more than a trophy of God's grace and mercy and wants to help you to grow in the Lord. As he also strives to grow as well. The body of Christ is a gift for the edification of the saints. So hopefully tonight, I hope this has been helpful. I hope it's given you some food for thought. Um, as you think about these things, and, and should you run across a time in your own life where you feel like, hey, I could just use a little extra help on something. Know that we, we, we offer that from the Word of God here. and be happy to help you in whatever you may be going through in your life.